0: You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thank you for joining me on The Partner Podcast. This podcast is focused on giving law firm partners useful and relevant information that will help them improve in their lives, grow their practices, and get more business. The key for success for a partner-level attorney is to have a vibrant practice of loyal clients. So to accomplish this, partners must not only depend on their firm to help market business, but must also understand key principles that can attract business and help establish them as preeminent authorities in their respective focus areas. Our guest today, Larry Bodine, is a successful expert on marketing in the legal landscape. And today he shares ideas on how lawyers can get business in person and online. Larry has worked as a marketing consultant who has assisted over 250 law firms with business development and individual lawyer coaching. He's also worked in marketing at Sidley for around 10 years. And today he gives us action steps that attorneys can take to help increase their profile and attract new clients. I've got with me on the podcast today, Larry Bodine. Larry, thanks for joining me
1: today on today's show. Scott, I'm just thrilled to be here. Thanks very much for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. And Larry, you're an expert. I've been following you for years. You're an expert on marketing and business development for law firms, And I know the topic that we said we would talk about today is how to get new business in person and online. And I know you've mentioned before that there are certain business development tactics at work. And so kind of tell me what those are. Maybe we can just start with some of the rock solid content that you've been giving to law firms over the years and start with some of those tactics at work, both in person and also
1: online for law firms. Sure. What it all turns on is, uh, you know, developing quality contacts and, uh, uh, The way that you start that is uh, uh, in person, when you're speaking to someone, there's really no need to sell. There's really no need to to try to be a used car salesman and put yourself in an awkward position when what you're really trying to do is engage with the other person. And the key to doing that is talking about their number one favorite topic, which of course is themselves. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to ask questions and get the other person talking because if they're talking, you are... Selling. That's right. Now, a good online equivalent to that is, uh, and, and here's why online is important. In person, you can reach people one to one, but online, you can reach people one to many. And I mm-hmm. always recommend to attorneys that they have an active blog, write about things that are going on in your practice, write about your clients, uh, and tell stories that have an emotional hook. And the more posts that you blog, the more easy you are to find on the internet, because nowadays, 80% of, of clients, when they're searching for an attorney, will go online, and then they'll check your reviews, and then perhaps they will call you. So that's really the chief thing, is that you got to develop, uh, get out of the office, get active, and and develop quality contacts.
0: So let me, let me talk to you about the blog concept for a second. I've been doing that for some time, I know you do also, let's say that, The partner that's listening to this is with an Amlaw 100 or Amlaw 200 firm, and they've got teams of people that do all the marketing for them, but they still believe in the concept of building a following, of putting content out that substantiates their expertise, that shows that they're truly an authority within their specialized niche. Should they publish this blog on their own or should they give it to their marketing people to put on the site? What do you think someone like that should do with the content that you think that they should
1: write? Well, there's nothing better than something that you've written yourself personally. Mm -hmm. When uh, somebody else has written your material, uh, it's like watching somebody deliver some lines. It's really not quite as effective. And I've written a blog that I uh, started about 20 years ago, and it uh, has gotten more than a million visitors. And the reason it's so effective is that blog post that I wrote 20 years ago is still being found online and it's still – interesting people in in calling me so the the number one most effective online marketing technique is content marketing mm. and you know that can also include uh, putting up articles it can include putting up frequently asked questions which uh, answer the questions that your clients would ask you when they're in person in the office with you but most importantly it's blogging it's telling a story where As you know, in a typical uh, good dramatic story, there's a protagonist, and in this case, it's always the client. And then the protagonist runs into some sort of an obstacle, and uh, finds that uh, you know they're not able to change to overcome it. They're they're just not able to surmount this problem. And then the uh, uh, plot point two, as they call it in screenwriting, is where something takes place. And in this case, it's the client decides to call the law firm, and then the story takes a different turn. And as a result, the client is uh, able to overcome the obstacle, and everybody lives happily ever after. And that's the kind of thing that, that really interests people in contacting you.
0: So, so let, me, let me kind of go down this rabbit hole with you because I think what you're talking about, it's, it's interesting to me. It's kind of like the hero's journey with Joseph Campbell that it's the same story from the dawn of time that interests us. And I think you could, in 700 words, take that same concept in an article or in a blog post that an attorney would write. What are some examples that you've seen that have been compelling, where a client prospect, a C-level executive reads it, or maybe it's in-house counsel, they read this article, they call an attorney to hire him or her. What are some real-life examples that you've seen that have really translated into purchasing legal services through a blog post?
1: Well, I was the marketing director for about 10 years at Sidley & Austin in Chicago, and uh, a good case history uh, was always the most successful marketing initiative that you could do. And uh, it responds to what CEOs uh, are looking for, which is, you know, have you represented a company like mine? Do you have any experience in my industry? So, rather than just saying, well, you know, the firm assisted uh, a client in issuing class A shares, so the stock issue was, was successful, put it into context. You know, what did this mean to the company? Why were they going public? Why were they issuing new stock? And what did they hope to accomplish? And then, you know, once that this had uh, taken place, what were the results? What were the great benefits that the client got? And what you're trying to do essentially is to, um, you know, of course, tell a story with a, the classic dramatic story. And if possible, inject a little bit of emotion. You know, in other words, some sort of an obstacle that was overcome or some mm-hmm. sort of a long term goal was finally achieved. You know, uh, what did it mean to the company to win or to prevail or to accomplish a business goal? And the more emotion and feeling that you can put into it, the more memorable it is and the better it engages people who read the story.
0: So what do you think to that skeptic that's listening to this that says people don't buy on emotion, they buy on intellect? Why should I put feelings on paper? What's that going to do to help me grow my practice? What would you say to that skeptic that hears you saying these things that would uh, convince them otherwise?
1: Well, all purchases are, are emotional. You know, you buy something because you want it and then after you've gotten it, you rationalize it. You know, you come up with an intellectual argument for, for why you did it. You know, a story that's got an emotional hook is always going to be much more interesting than some sort of rote recitation of facts. Right. So when when you put in a little emotion, not only does it engage the person who's reading it, but uh, it gives something more than just sort of a straight set of facts, which are going to leave a reader cold.
0: Yeah. So examples of a trial or a transaction that an attorney got involved in in talking about how it impacted the client. And I always, when I used to have my recruiter training company years and years ago, I would teach people that when you're selling any sort of service, there has to be a personal and an emotional context to it because that's The place from which people make buying decisions. Would you say that applies with buying legal services also, Larry?
1: Oh yes. I mean, uh, you know, if you can address some sort of a a worry or or some sort of a fear that was involved, uh, these are very effective ways at uh, telling a story. And uh, part of it is, uh, you know, rather than just limit yourself to uh, marketing to people one on one, which is how marketing in person takes place. I strongly recommend that attorneys join an organization of clients because, number one, there's no new business to be found in the office. You have to get out. Right. And so find an organization, become a regular, and uh, volunteer actively because your goal is to get on the board of directors. And the way that you get on the board is you volunteer to be the program director or the newsletter editor. Or you just approach the president and find out, you know, what is some, you know, tiresome chore that he needs to have taken care of, and the way that you'll be rewarded is by being put on the board of directors. And then once that happens, everybody in the organization knows you. Right. And the concomitant online equivalent of that is social media. Mm-hmm. So pick your favorite medium. Uh, of course, the number one largest medium there is is Facebook. Or for business contexts, you know, there's also LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And the idea, of course, is not to just generate a lot of followers or to, you know, uh, make a lot of one way statements where you're announcing or proclaiming something. The whole idea is to engage, look for people who are, you know, within walking distance or at least driving distance of where you are so that you can meet people in person. You know, uh, Scott. I've met lots of people uh, in person whom I first contacted on on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook, and then we got together, and it was an easy conversation because we always already felt that we knew each other a little bit. Sure.
0: Sure. So let me ask you then, what types of organizations? Are these trade associations? What are some examples? If there's an attorney listening to this right now that maybe has felt some trepidation about getting out of the office and what are some examples that you would give to that person
1: well the easiest way to find out which organization to join is to ask your clients so ask your favorite client the one you get along with best and and then maybe also ask the client that generates the most revenue for you now, chances are it might be the same client and then just inquire what meetings do you go to Because every business person belongs to some kind of a trade association, a business group, an industry organization. And then the next step is to simply say, when is the next meeting? I'd really like to go there with you, and I'll pick you up, and I'll take us there. And when we get there, I hope you'll introduce me to all your friends. And the friends of the client, of course, are all potential clients. That's that's, how I would start.
0: That's great. That's excellent. And so so you mentioned the goal is to get on the board. Why do you think that's important?
1: Because everybody knows who the board members are. I've done the technique I described many times in, in trade organizations uh, and in Rotary and in other situations where when I went to the first meeting and second meeting and third meeting, it was very awkward. I didn't know anybody. Nobody knew me. So I volunteered in some respect, mm-hmm. uh, for example, being the program director. Well now, I'm contacting other people in the group and inviting them to talk, asking them, you know, what subjects we should be covering in our monthly meetings. And now I'm working with a whole lot of other people. And then once you get on the board, well now you become friends with the other board members. And suddenly, you know, everybody wants to get to know the board members, and certainly everybody knows about the board members. And your position will do all of the marketing for you. You know, people will just walk up to you and say, congratulations, I hear you're on the board. Uh, Here's something I think the organization should think about doing. It happened to me repeatedly.
0: Some of the feathers and the caps of partners that I placed were recent developments in their nonprofit activities for these trade associations where, and I remember, I remember clearly several of my candidates that I placed told me that I just got invited to sit on the board of that group. That's going to make me look so good to my clients. And it's going to raise that profile like what you said. I think it's not just the people that you meet. It's the fact that you're now in a position of influence where you're perceived to be a little bit sharper than the next guy comparatively Of in terms of who am I going to give work to? Well, I'm going to give it to the work to this person because he's committed to his profession. He's obviously on the board, which in my opinion means that other people think he's good enough. So I think he's good enough in my book to give him work.
1: That's exactly right. Your your reputation will, will precede you. And uh, when you're on the board, you know, it's a position of uh, respect and accomplishment. And so, you know, people will just automatically ascribe uh, positive things to you. And it's interesting, Scott, then the moment always comes where somebody will ask you, so tell me, what do you do for a living? Where do you work? And hmm. The mistake a lot of attorneys say is, well, you know, I'm an attorney with XYZ law firm, and that pretty much ends the conversation. And so what I recommend instead is you give a 30-second commercial, which is basically designed to engage the other person and get them to ask questions. So mine, for example, is I help lawyers generate new business and get new clients. And the other person goes, hmm, that's interesting. How do you do that? Yeah, uh, can you give me some examples? And of course, now I've been invited to talk to myself, and right. you know I've been given permission to stop talking about uh, or asking questions and getting the other person to talk. So here are the elements of a thirty-second commercial. It's uh, I am, which is well, whom do you serve? Uh, what is your function? Are you, you know? Are you a deal maker? Are you someone who settles disputes? And the second part is, and I work with. So this is your opportunity to describe the kind of clients, the kind of businesses and industries uh, that you're familiar with. And then part three is, and what do you do? And the answer is, well, you know, I solve litigation disputes by working together with with the other party and and finding uh, a room for compromise. Or, uh, you know, I'm a deal maker. I'm I'm able to get people who are interested in accomplishing something and, and finding joint ways for both people to, you know, to make a lot of money. And, and at that point, you know, you've know, you given the other person a lot of openings to ask further questions.
0: That's a great idea. I'm just kind of curious. I know that you've personally coached thousands of lawyers at hundreds of firms. Had you ever done a lot of one-on-one coaching with people? Like, here's someone that just might not have the social skills and training them how to do this.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in fact, it's the thing that I kind of uh, enjoy the most because I find that uh, law firms make a lot of hiring mistakes. You know, there's three kinds of lawyers. There's finders, minders, and grinders. That's right. And typically a a law firm will be looking for a minder or a grinder when instead they should find someone who wants to have their own book of business and, uh, you know, has an owner mentality. As it turns out, uh, you know, research shows that 25% of lawyers, they just can't sell. They're they're introverts. they, uh, They have low sociability. They have low resilience and Those are the people you just shouldn't bother to spend any time with. But with the majority of lawyers, lawyers are are quick on the uptake. And when you sort of get it across to them that business development is really just acting on a, uh, a learnable set of techniques and that if you do the behaviors, you will generate new business. That takes away all of the concern and anxiety. And uh, you know some of the techniques I've, I've already described. You know, which is uh, uh, don't sell. Instead, ask questions and try to engage the other person. Uh, don't sit in your office. Get out and join an organization of clients and volunteer. Get on the board of directors. And avoid talking about yourself until someone asks you what you do, and then you have your 30-second commercial ready. Most individual business development plans are about uh, four pages long. Uh, page one is uh, what clients uh, do you have that you could call on and visit? And the second one is who's referred you a a good file over the last couple of years? You want to get in touch with them and develop a referral relationship. Mm. And the third is uh, what meetings do your clients go to and join that organization? And then the third thing is find some place where you can give a talk, get in front of a crowd, and establish yourself as an authority. And that's it, four pages. And if you do those four things and just do the behaviors that are called for, you'll start to attract new business. There's no way it cannot happen.
0: You know, everything you say, I've read before, I've seen, I've heard other experts talk about that. And yet, it seems that some big law firms are missing the idea of training their people. I've talked to people recently that say, I can't believe I'm with this very large firm and there's no resources, there's no education. So I think I think you've absolutely got some great content that's going to help a lot of people out, Larry. But let me ask you this. You talked about presenting to groups. What would an attorney need to do to find the right kind of audience to get in front of that audience to and not to sell, but to make a presentation? And what advice would you give to that attorney that might help them to make a presentation that's well received?
1: Well, most attorneys, uh, you know, as I do, you know, have uh, a lot of anxiety about getting in front of a crowd. And uh, unless you've had some you know, formal training on giving a talk, uh, you, you really don't have any good techniques for giving a speech. And so what I would recommend is to create an audience where everybody knows your name. So the, the way to start learning to give a good talk is to have a lunch and learn in your office. And you invite people that you know, and those would be your clients, your referral sources, and uh, other attorneys. And right away, you're speaking to a friendly audience, uh, and it's all on a topic that you know in advance that they're interested in, so you don't have to have any concern that you're going to bore them. And then talk about their pain points. Talk about uh, the problems that they have that you can solve with legal solutions. So once you've put together the friendly crowd, then after that, what I would recommend is if you really want to be a good speaker, attend a lot of speeches. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that you don't really listen to the content of the speech. What you're looking for are the techniques that the speaker did to hold the audience's attention. You know, was it uh, eye contact? Was it particular gestures? Was it a good PowerPoint or maybe even a flipboard? Was it uh, asking questions? and sort of make notes of uh, all of these different tactics and and techniques, and then just simply incorporate the ones that you feel comfortable doing. And then you'll have a repertoire of giving a a public presentation that'll always go well. That's great. That's a great idea. That's a great idea, Larry.
0: If there is an attorney that's listening to this that has a lot of fear of public speaking, what would be a couple of ways that person could overcome that fear? What would you recommend?
1: Well, of course, you need to rehearse. You need to prepare. Uh, I find that uh, it's most useful uh, that I sit down and write out by hand what the major points are I'm going to cover. You don't need to write the whole speech verbatim, but just just the primary points. And there's something about that hand-eye, uh, you know, mutual working together that creates a synaptic path in your brain, so that you can remember it. And then really all you need to do is just sort of think you know, and, and practice this over and over how you're going to start the speech. What are you going to say in uh, in the first two minutes? And then you'll find that once you've gotten over you know, the initial anxiety of, of starting the speech, you'll be completely relaxed because now things are flowing, you've gotten the speech started, and you've already written down all of the high points. And chances are they'll be very easy to call to mind. And of course, You can take notes, handwritten, or you can take notes and project them on your PowerPoint slide. Here are the topics I'm going to talk about. And then before you know it, you've uh, completed the program and people are coming up to you, telling you how much they enjoyed it.
0: So Larry, you talk about writing a blog, which I think is great because it's not just getting the attention of people that find you on the web, but after you talk to someone, they're going to check you out and they're going to know what you know based on what you've written. You've talked about speaking which means that you're building a brand of authority because you're the one that's presenting and your competition's in the audience. So obviously you're the one that is the authority. How do you think an attorney could kind of blend the two together? Can they refer to the blog when they're giving a speech? Can they refer to a speech that they gave when they wrote a blog? How could an attorney use both of those in tandem with each other?
1: Well, where I would start would be to, you know, compose your notes for a talk that you're going to give. And once you've given the talk, of course, now you've really cemented it in your mind. And uh, the easiest thing would be to do, to give the talk again and turn your notes into a blog post, take those exact same points and reiterate and repeat them. This is all about uh, building a brand, uh, building Mm -hmm. the, you know, the particular points that people will know about you. And. The great thing about starting out with a speech is that you can have somebody videotape it. I highly recommend that. I read somewhere that uh, 80% of people would rather watch a video of somebody explaining how to do something than instead read the text of uh, the instructions on how to do it. Oh, sure. So you can take that video and put it on YouTube. You could put links onto it on on all sorts of social media. You can upload it to Facebook. And then take the exact same points and then sponsor a webinar because after all you've already given the talk you've already got the slides and now create a webinar and send invitations to prospects to referral sources to other attorneys and invite a huge crowd and you know give it basically a third time so the advantage is that you know you do the effort once but then you find multiple ways to present it in a blog in a video in a webinar
0: That's great. So let's just say an attorney listening to this wrote an article, approached a trade association and said, here's my article or my blog post that I've written. I'd like to give a speech at your conference or at your monthly meeting on this topic. They say yes. Then you can go back and write in your blog that you spoke at the National Widget Association Manufacturers Meeting on IP or whatever. And then you can even approach them and say, let's do a three-part webinar series where we go a little bit deeper on the content so that way those people that didn't attend the session can still get value from that.
1: I mean, That's so right, can... and and each time you make the presentation, you know you're gonna you're gonna find more little little details to emphasize. You're gonna be getting people's reactions that you can incorporate into the next presentation. So, for instance, uh, it's frequently happened to me where I'll write an article and then I'll get in touch with the state bar where I've been giving uh, CLE programs on marketing. For 10 years and say, look, uh, here's a topic that I've developed some expertise in, would you like me to present it? And they're usually delighted to do that. And at the CLE presentation, I'll get some questions. Someone will say, well, what about this? Or have you explored this aspect of it? And that gives me a new angle that I can incorporate when I write a follow-up blog or a follow-up article in another publication. So the idea is, uh, you know, create once and present many times.
0: That's right. Leverage it. Leverage your content. Leverage your expertise over and over again. I think that's great. That's a great uh, substantive concept that you have that that makes a lot of sense. We're running out of time. I want to bring you back on the podcast later on because I know there's other things we can talk about. But if somebody is listening to you today, Larry, they want to seek you out. Uh, Tell me about the things that you're doing currently. What are some of the offerings that you have and some other resources that can help some people out?
1: Well, certainly, you know, I I love to talk with attorneys about how they'd like to grow their law firm. And I'm real easy to find. You just uh, Google Larry Bodine or Google law firm marketing, and I'll be on the first page there. And what I would recommend is read some of my blog posts. You can find them online at larrybodine.com. And if uh, you find that you would like to start a blog or would like to market online more effectively, I'm uh, the senior legal marketing strategist at a firm called Lawlytics, and -hmm. what we do is we specialize. It's a a company founded by attorneys and staffed by attorneys, and we create websites that are intuitive to use uh, for attorneys. Uh, But it really all starts with a call. Just give me a call, tell me what's on your mind, and uh, let me know how I can help you.
0: That's great, Larry. Thanks so much for your time and being a guest on the podcast, and we'll certainly have you back here in the near future.
1: Well, you're very welcome, Scott. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com.